0: Block Talk Radio
1: The Marriage
2: of Mystery Entertainment and Education Squatch Detective Radio is on the air Watch Detective Radio for today's date, September 26, 2010, and that means one thing, it means we're on an anniversary. Four years on Blog Talk Radio, yep, this show started four years ago on September 24th. Our first guests were Henry May and M.K. Davis, remember that day very well, and um, uh, Blog Talk had a little problem archiving shows back then, and that show is, I think, forever lost, unfortunately. But with us Of course, is my newest and trustiest side companion, Mr. Chris Bennett. How are you?
3: Hey, Steve, man. Congratulations on four years.
4: Has it really been that long? It just seemed like yesterday. Squatch Detective Radio was
3: starting up.
2: Well, i tell you what. I was host number 661, and last time I counted, it was 25-something thousand uh, shows on Blog Talk. So. You know, we just roll on and roll on, and boy, I'll tell you what, um, there is a ton of stuff we have to go over tonight. Um, There's going to be certain clips on tonight. Some of them are are quite lengthy, so if you call in during a clip, you may have to sit there for a bit. But uh, and I apologize if there is a hum in the narration of the clip I was playing them back on the soundboard before the show and uh, where I did the narration there seems to be a hiss or a hum that wasn't present on the uh, MP3 that I uploaded so I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of uh, hoping that uh, that these clips will uh, not broadcast the hum but sometimes we do get a little bit of a a weird strange noises uh, on the listening end of blog talk so We'll see see what happens um, you know, you know what uh, j c asked a, to play a clip of him, and you know what J.C.? I, I, I apologize i i actually i was so pressed for time uh and, and I don't mean by time getting the task completed uh, but the uh the the time and the task that we have about oh we, we got a number of clips, so we got to keep our 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 pros here short. And uh, get to the clips, I think. Uh, what do you say there, uh, Mr. B? Sounds good
4: to me. Uh, I, I'm anxious to hear those clips. Uh, it's nice to, to listen back to uh, the days of yester- yesterday and try to rem- reminisce a little bit.
2: Yep. Well, there's a number of ways I can go about this. Which clip to play first? And that, that, that was something that was bouncing in my head. So. John you just said, what well, I never, Yes, sir, and with that kind of attitude, you probably never will either <laughs> um, but uh I guess what we'll talk uh first is we'll we'll do our witness clips because really, without the witnesses uh we wouldn't have a show uh without people reporting these things, we wouldn't have a show, we wouldn't even have a topic if nobody if everybody just kept their mouth shut about this, so uh let's give a let's give a listen to our witness clips, and uh here we go. Of course, we can't do Squatch Detective Radio without witnesses. And, of course, over the years, we've had some great witnesses. Take a listen.
5: I stayed in the field, and this thing, for some reason, came into the field. And it's a way of I explain it to everybody that when I've told this story. is like uh, so: you take a a, a big man that's, or a woman, whatever the case may be, that's overweight, wearing corduroy pants and it's dead quiet, and their legs' thighs rub together, and you get that whooshing noise like, and that's all I could hear in the field in front of me. And I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, I'm starting to get these weird thoughts about there's something out there. Should I turn the lights on? Should I do this? Should I do that? Blah, 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 blah. But it would stop and start and stop and start, and I realized it's getting closer and closer. It's just like whatever it was coming at me was stopping to see what I was doing. So I can turn grabbed my 357, I had my car door open, and I'm behind my car door, and I got a 200,000 kilo power uh spotlight in my right hand and my 357 in my left hand. And when it got the noise got to the point where it sounded like it was really super close to me, I, I turned the light on, and it was uh, it's a hard thing to explain. I'm a little wound up now, but it's a hard thing to explain what goes through your mind. What you're seeing and what you you are taught to believe, and your your whole life goes boom, instantaneous. (laughs) Everything's there all at all at once. Uh, All I can remember is flipping the light on, and I see this creature. And I knew, I knew in my heart, I knew in my mind, the whole night. This isn't a man. This isn't a monkey. This isn't a man in a monkey suit. It's not an escaped gorilla. It's not a chimpanzee. It's not even a weather balloon. I what I'm looking at is real. And there was just so many things going through my head. I pulled the hammer back on my gun, and this thing had brought up what I called paws, not hands, but paws. It covered up its eyes because the, the thing that sticks in my mind the most is the, the mayonnaise jar cover size eyes, and they were red. And it let out such a a deep um uh, like, like a like a big, hefty, deep-voiced weightlifter, that kind of a scream would do. I mean, every hair on my body stood up. Back in 82, it was
6: late February, real cold, nasty night. I was on police patrol with a partner of mine, went out towards South Bay, which is on Route 22, still within the village limits, but just north of what you would consider the village. Uh, past the rock cut, just before the county barn, my partner and I were traveling towards the bay, and talking about this, that, and the other thing, you know, it was a nice quiet night, the bars were not all closed. Well, it was even a little more jumpy back then. Quite a few more bars at the time. And uh him hey, this is an old farm boy, the my partner, and him and I were both chewing tobacco, and I'll never forget that. I was chewing Red Man, he was chewing Levi Garrett. You know, we were young bucks and we were pretty we thought we were pretty tough anyway. <laughs> and <laughs> Like I said, we both had a big wad of tobacco in our respective cheeks, and then this thing walks across the road, takes a turn towards us, and then leaps over a guardrail from almost halfway in the road. I mean, unbelievable. And I pulled the car over immediately, grabbed my flashlight, pulled my revolver out from my holster, I asked my partner if he was coming. He said, uh, I don't know. And locked the doors. I went out, out looking for the thing. And it's kind of funny now looking back at it, but I remember getting away from the car a little bit, maybe about 30, 40 feet. There's uh, the rocks that built up the road were, uh, you know, pretty, pretty big boulders at the time where it was at. And I'm thinking, what am I going to do if I catch this thing? So, uh, I reholstered my pistol, went back, and my partner's still gagging on his tobacco. And by this time, I'd thrown mine out. And I asked him, uh, boy, that was some bear, wasn't it? And he he says, you know, that wasn't no bear. I mean, when you see something like that, and, uh... I I myself. My personal I just had to try to prove it to myself what I had seen. That's not me. You know, I, I, back in 82, it was late February, real cold, nasty night. I was on police patrol with a partner of mine, went out towards South Bay, which is on Route 22, still within the village limits, but just north of what you would consider the village. Uh, past the rock cut, just before the county barn, my partner and I were traveling towards the bay and talking about this, that, and the other thing. You know, it was a nice quiet night. The bars were not all closed. Well, it was even a little more jumpy back then. Quite a few more bars at the time. And uh this is an old farm boy, the, my partner. And him and I were both chewing tobacco, and I'll never forget that. I was chewing Red Man, he was chewing Levi Garrett. You know, we were young bucks and we were pretty, we thought we were pretty tough anyway. (laughs) And like I said, we both had the big wad of tobacco in our respective cheeks. And then this thing walks across the road, takes a turn towards us, and then leaps over a guardrail from almost halfway in the road. I mean, unbelievable. And I pulled the car over immediately, grabbed my flashlight, pulled my revolver out from my holster, asked my partner if he was coming. He said, I don't know, and locked the doors. I went out out looking for the thing. And it's kind of funny now looking back at it, but I remember getting away from the car a little bit, maybe about 30, 40 feet. uh, The rocks that built up the road were... uh, you know, pretty, pretty big boulders at the time where it was at. And I'm thinking, what am I going to do if I catch this thing? <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I reholstered my pistol, went back, and my, my partner's still gagging on his tobacco. <laughs> and by this time I'd thrown mine out. And I asked him, uh, boy, that was some bear, wasn't it? And he, he says, you know, that wasn't no bear i mean what, when you see something like that and uh, i i
7: myself my personal eye i just had to try to prove it to myself what I had seen happened me and my wife i it was around the uh, summer of two thousand and we had gone up, up near the buck mountain area and uh we had gone we had probably been in there about thirty minutes we'd gone up for a hike and um It just started up up, up on top of the hill. We just started hearing this noise. It was like a loud growling, howling noise. It was nothing I had heard like from a bear or a bobcat or a koi dog. I'd heard lots of koi dogs and a lot of experiences with bears. And this was just something just totally different. I could just tell it wasn't a bear, but it was definitely big. And it had like almost a screaming noise that was definitely different than a bear. And I had never seen any bears in that area. And uh, we, I just, I was scared. I was scared out of my head. And just thinking about it now, it's just like, wow, you know, it's it, it you just your whole stomach falls down, and and I was almost shaking. I I'd, I'd never been that scared. We'd heard I'd been in the woods by myself and heard coy dogs and taking food away from bears. I mean, big enormous bears. And this thing just, the noise of it was just so foreign. I think that's what it might have been. I, you know, the noise maybe or, or something like that it was just so foreign that it just scared the heck, living heck out of me. And my, and my wife just looked at me and was like, we got, you know, she just kind of almost froze. And I could, we just kind of got our way out of there. The thing was yelling about seven times and it was kind of circling, circling us. And it's really thick in there. I mean,
8: we have two female Border Collies, part Border Collies. And these are dogs that came from, lived in the mountains in Montana, and uh, different places, and they have they have no fa- fear of bears, uh, cougars. Um, they chase bears, you know. They just badgers, any kind of wildlife, particularly bears, and they can be big and scary, you know, and cougars. But they never have feared that. We moved there uh, to this area. And they were freaking out. I don't know how else to tell you, but they would hear something, run up in the trees, run back down, and hide under the house and hide under the deck. They'd scratch at the doors to come in the house, and they were terrified. And, um, this went on, and we kept thinking, we were joking, uh, you know, within the family saying, oh, it's probably Bigfoot. And, because, you know, when you're in the Pacific Northwest, it comes with the territory. <laughs> it's the legend of it. So anyhow, it came to the, a week before Thanksgiving, and my youngest daughter and I pulled up in the driveway, and it was dusk. And we got out of the van, and the dogs ran up to us. And then as soon as we got out, they ran down the hill in the backyard over to the trees on the right-hand side and barking. And out came a scream like I've never heard before. And it was only about 30 feet from us, but, the again, the, the trees are so thick. And the scream was a very, very loud scream, and it was a mixture between a cougar, a woman screaming, and kind of an apish sound, followed by four distinctive, like that, grunts, okay? So um, we just looked at each other, and we just kind of went, oh, that's, that's, got to be Bigfoot, jokingly, but seriously, because we've heard cougars, we've heard bears, we've heard everything, and this was nothing like we've ever heard before.
9: We come around the corner, and we're driving um, slowly down the skid road, and we're getting up near to where the base camp turnoff was,
1: Um,
9: and it was nearing the same time in the evening, 6 o'clock. And I looked down the road, and about 100 yards from us was one going diagonally from left to right, um, just walking, as you may, no care in the world, right across the road. And I'm, poor Scott, I'm yelling my brother's name. Finally I get his name, and I'm yelling, take a picture, take a picture. And unfortunately it got one of those blob swatches. you know. It was the last part of him going in. And when he stopped the rig, I went running up the road, hopefully to find not not knowing what I was gonna do if I found him, but it was just that I thought I wanted to experience more. And um uh a gentleman that I had not met yet, um, and Courtney, was just coming around that corner and he missed seeing the fast watch by just a couple minutes and And that was my first introduction to Stan, and and he's become a good friend. But
4: she had made the mention back then when I was younger
9: about uh,
4: something they saw around 1954. And uh, they lived in a little town called, it's uh, pronounced uh, Mallard. It's in uh, Kentucky, in Pike County, Kentucky. It's right near a little town called Elkhorn City. Uh, There was a store across the road from... Where they grew up, and they always, you know, the old storekeeper, he took credit. It's one of those, like a Mayberry type deal. Um, they were over there talking to him, and my aunt was looking up behind the hill. She saw something move the hill behind the house. There was a pine grove that had a um, some boulders, and then old sheep paths that went up the hill where my great grandmother used to have sheep. Um, she kept looking. And the store owner asked her. So, what are you looking at? And she says, "Well, what is that laying up there?" So he looks and he starts looking closer, and he it he says, "It looks like a man laying there." All they could see at that time was this person. It, they thought it was dark clothing laid back on one, on the boulder, and just kind of relaxing. And they could see the bottoms of the feet, and they could see one hand one arm thrown up across the forehead like somebody was, like, laying back taking a nap like everybody does on the couch once in a while. And my aunt started to notice, she goes, that's not clothes, it's hair. That thing's covered in hair. And they milled around about and started kind of looking more and walking in that direction to get a better look. And this thing stood up and crouched down in, like, a squat and peered back at them through this opening in the pines and the guy kept saying the store owner kept saying that it was he goes i think that's a man but then when it stood up it started walking up the hill and they were and my mom noticed that the stride that it was walking was huge strides and how tall this thing was and big and it went up the hill away from them turned back to look at him turning its whole body she said it didn't like it didn't have a neck it kind of it was like built like a football player or like she describes me, but like a bull. And um it walked out of sight up over the edge of the the crest of the hill and what, that goes on up into the
2: mountain. And there you have it. So uh Chris, we got a bunch of callers to get to, at least a couple here. So uh yeah. let me uh get uh six six two Eric Code, you're on Squatch detective radio. Well, you ought to know who
3: this is. I sure do,
2: Henry, how are you? Oh, uh, I'm doing good. I'm going
3: to wish you guys a happy fourth anniversary.
2: Thank you, thank you. And uh you're gonna get some honorable mentions here in a bit. You're on a couple of the clips coming up. So Oh cool. <laughs> it's gonna be it's yeah. gonna be a blast from the past and that's that's what we've tried to do here is a little bit of the old with some of the new.
3: So yeah. uh yeah.
2: Well, Henry, thanks for calling in, bro. I got I got a couple sure. other calls I gotta okay. get in, So let me get yep. to them and we got a right. ton of material on tonight. And, uh, let me get the, uh,
1: 419
2: area code. You're on Squatch Detective Radio. Well, I better be. Mr. Indy, how are you? Uh,
10: I'm doing alright. What's up, bud?
2: Not too much. I think you're on a clip tonight, too, somewhere down the road, too. Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> <laughs> probably but, uh... one of my, not one of my best ones, but probably, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, no. You, you had a very valid point to make, and you made it. <laughs> so we'll, uh, meet me back fact,
1: out. <laughs>
2: okay, we'll do brother. And um we'll uh in fact let's let's get to this this uh clip and, and of course, you know, at Squash Detective Radio, every once in a while we like to take on some of the controversial stuff. And, uh, you know, there was a couple of cases we took on this year, and uh, let's give it a listen, and we'll uh, talk to y'all on a few, but you guys are going to like this. Stuff, I think. At Squatch Detective Radio, we love to take on the controversial. Take, for example, the saga of Mr. Mike.
10: I was watching them, and I've watched them uh, practically every night till 2 or 3 in the morning. Uh, one of the younger ones came up to the window and uh, he put his hand uh, fingertips on the window and I put mine there and he just you know was curious and you could
2: Of course this show was not done on Squatch Detective Radio but rather it was done on a show called Overnight AM hosted by a host by the name of Lamb Lanfear. We didn't have the actual opportunity to question Mr. Mike but we did have time to analyze just some of his stories, which initially seemed good.
10: Well, uh, the largest male uh, is he's about seven and a half to eight feet tall. I couldn't guess the weight on him, but he's got a lot of lot of long fur on him, and it's uh, kind of a um, salt and pepper gray. And the female is the same way only she's not as tall as he is. The uh, adolescent uh, ones have very black uh, hair, but it's not as long as the older males. And then they've got the two toddlers that are uh, probably, I would guess they'll be about a year old. And uh, and then she, like I said, I'm pretty sure she's got a baby in her arms right now as I'm watching them.
1: Of course, as
2: Mr. Mike's saga continues, his stories begin to fall apart.
10: And they can climb pretty good, too. Yeah, they climbed up a telephone pole uh, right at the Woods there, and uh, the mother was frantic, and she couldn't get up there to get him because she's too big for those branches. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, I guess that would be hard to climb a telephone pole uh, if you were too heavy your way to support, be supported by the branches on the telephone pole.
2: Usually, Lord,
10: usually the uh, the tree trunks that I've seen that are used for telephone poles, they usually strip the branches off those.
11: Maybe he's describing his family tree.
12: <laughs> <laughs> I've I a question. You know, I'm, I'm 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 you know
6: lived in a few states now. I lived in Indiana and I've lived here in Ohio. What freaking state has branches on their telephone poles?
2: Of course, when asked by Lamphere about having camera equipment and the likes out there and taking time to photograph what he's seeing, Mr. Mike puts up a multitude of excuses.
10: Well, not only do I not have the uh, the money, or the, I, I don't have the time, I can't leave for, right. uh, I get relief maybe uh, once a week where I can go grocery shopping and stuff like that, but uh I can't really leave her because she she's had several flaws uh, and, you know, I I, I don't, I, I can't leave her alone. I have my son either comes and stays or if that got uh, someone that comes in uh, once a week that will sit for a few hours with her.
2: But later on in the show, he forgets this and goes on to tell a host on how
11: he's feeding these creatures.
10: Yeah, I brought him some uh, blueberries and... Uh, Uh, The other night when I went to the uh, drive-in, I I got uh, a couple bags of french fries uh, and I left them out there, but they didn't touch them until uh, this afternoon. One of them was out there picking in there and eating those french fries.
2: The panel had a vigorous discussion on this whole Mr. Mike saga, but it could be summed up in one simple sentence said very poignantly by Henry May.
11: This was nothing but crap. This whole thing was just was just was just crap.
2: I find one of the most frustrating things is, is a guests coming on with false pretenses, especially when it's something that's very controversial and very near and dear to the feelings of me. such so the case was when we had Jabba Bob Schmalz back on the show. The guy came on the show with completely wrong pretenses. But between myself and a few of our listeners and my co-host at the time, Dave G, we were able to take his story and tear it apart. Take a listen. That's something we agreed to avoid. Yeah, facts are
6: facts.
2: So it, it keeps coming back. So either we don't talk about this or we just move on with the show.
13: I'll play you this now. Uh, okay, what I'm telling you what I'm telling you is that
1: uh, the tiny one can take a hint. Uh, he doesn't understand, he's small. Uh,
13: he did tell me that it was submerged in water. He didn't tell me it was frozen the first time. And, yes, he did say it was frozen.
0: It's like I picked the wrong week to smoking.
13: Wouldn't that okay. be considered
3: hard, tangible evidence that Bob could put his hands on? Well, I have that original thing, and and, and I don't
13: recall. Well, why
12: didn't you I, just I leave go that go out whenever
3: I asked you the question?
12: Way to go, eh hoes?
6: Did anybody press charges uh, against the guy that held uh, uh,
5: Bob at gunpoint? He, he, You know, he didn't do anything to me.
12: You mean we're smoking dog shit, man?
13: Well, you said you were held at gunpoint. That's true. I got to talk to him after that. I was comfortable then. I was not in any danger.
3: Hey, this is
2: great, man.
13: You know, but I don't want to go...
2: All right. You know what's not true? Not true is calling me, telling me how you think you may be involved in the hoax. You did that on Sunday, the reach out. You see... My folks, we got ten minutes left of the show. And thus Jabba Bob became the first person ever kicked off a Squatch Detective Radio Live for lying and for pissing off the host. And there we have the a uh, couple of clips of our controversial. Boy, uh, Chris, you even got on the act on that one.
12: Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I'll just ask a simple question is all I wanted to know, you
2: know.
1: <laughs>
2: you didn't expect that kind of answer, though, did you? No, not He really.
1: answered it, no. but yeah.
2: he answered it, kind of. Yeah. That was how he yeah. was answering all the questions that night. Oh, yeah. But, um, you know, at the end of the show, I, I'm actually going to be on another show tonight at 1130 Eastern. Uh, let me uh, plug these guys before I forget. Um Uh, The show I'm going to be on is going to be Paranormal Guys, and it's on Blog Talk Radio. And there's the link to it. And I'll be on at 11:30 Eastern. So uh, if you don't catch me live, as I know it's late for us East Coasties, but uh, catch it in uh, catch it in archive. Give these guys a listen. Uh, They're doing their seventh show. They're new to Blog Talk Radio, so uh, and they're dealing with all kinds of stuff. So give them a listen. Now, next. Uh, And we're moving along at a good pace, and that that makes me happy because uh, I wanted to make sure we get all these clips in tonight. And, of course, uh, one of the things uh, we always do is we've had numbers and numbers and scores of researchers on and and some very high-caliber folks as well. And uh, I I put together a little comp clip of uh, just some of the folks here, and uh, each one has a really good point to make. uh, And I'll let you guys listen to this one. You guys are going to enjoy it. At Squatch Detective Radio, we love to take on the controversial. Take, for example, the saga of Mr. Mike.
10: I was watching them, and I've watched
2: them. Now you see, that's a radio moment right there, folks. <laughs> I hit the wrong clip. <laughs> Deja vu. Whoops. Deja vu again. Uh, where the heck is it? <laughs> right there. Uh, i tell you what. Uh, Cheech Marin, who spoke on the last clip, he had to pass me off what he was uh, smoking there. I don't know. All right, here, Just here we
3: press go. press one of those other buttons, Steve.
2: <laughs> Education is a thing we love to provide here at Squatch Sector Radio. And over the last four years, we've brought you some great guests, guests such as Canadian journalist and famous Bigfoot author John Green, cryptozoologist and author Matt Billy, and, of course, the great Dr. Henner Fahrenbach. Take a listen.
13: I got a call to come down again right as soon as I got home, and, and on that occasion there were very good tracks, and uh, hundreds of them on on a road under construction in the same general area as uh, where the Bigfoot tracks had originated and uh, where Patterson got the movie. So uh, Roger happened to be out uh, investigating somewhere else at the time, But word got to him about those tracks. And uh, that's why he was down there at that particular time, and he hadn't planned to be. But uh, he was working on uh, trying to make a movie on this subject, and uh, he was hopeful of being able to see some tracks. And, of course, I wasn't able to get back down there that year, but... uh, uh, I was there when uh, Roger came home and when the movie was first shown because of course he didn't he didn't know what he had he sent the movie to his brother-in-law to be developed and when uh, Roger came I I was there before Roger was Rennie and I were there and Jim McLaren and uh, We had tracks, two sizes of tracks are the ones that that, uh, we had seen, which were roughly 15-inch and 13-inch in length. And, of course, we expected when Roger arrived that any cast that he might have would be one or the other of those two, but they weren't. They were uh, in between, almost as long as the 15-inch but narrower, so that... Had it up to three different individuals all around there in the same area at the same time. And uh, I saw the movie there, and then he showed it again at the University of British Columbia. And then a few months later, Rennie and I uh, made arrangements to show the movie in Canada. So we actually had the original while we were having copies made that we could show. And we had then by then prints from the film, uh, which is something nobody else, other than Roger, had. And uh, Roger had not been back to Bluff Creek. He, he was in, involved in showing the film in the U.S. So uh, the, the uh, following summer, uh, I went down there with slides from the movie, and I met Jim McLaren, who lived down there. Jim was six foot five. And Jim had been to the track site um, the, f- the previous falls uh, when when all the tracks were were playing. But by the time I was there, some of the, some were still to be seen. But the, unfortunately, the part where the uh, thing is actually in the movie, the uh, tracks were no longer visible. Well, largely, I suppose, because they'd been cast year before anyway we we did take this uh, companion movie or comparison movie of jim walking as close as he could remember to the route that the uh, creature had taken and i found that uh, with the slides it was possible to to line things up in the viewfinder of my camera Could tell exactly where Roger had been when he was taking the movie. So we do have that comparison movie, but, you know, it's not, by no means perfect. Uh, People can argue whether it shows the thing as being bigger than Jim or smaller than Jim. And and that Bob Titmus had also been down there. And Roger had only cast two tracks. Uh, Bob went in there a couple of weeks later and cast ten more when we had had the movie shown at the university, and there were a bunch of scientists there uh, we showed up with all our what we considered our best casts, and uh, the result was that they said, well, you know these don't look don't look like genuine tracks tracks you know are not a perfect shape like that so uh Bob cast. A string of them, some of them very, showing great deal of motion, great, great deal of change shape. And, uh, so those casts are, are part of the, uh, the strong evidence supporting that movie. And, uh, one of those shows the, uh, the most extreme case of the flexibility in the middle of the foot where the, uh, he, human foot is, is rigid, with a, has a rigid arch. The, the other higher primates can bend their foot in the middle, and there's evidence that the Sasquatch can do the same, even though their footprint looks much more human than it does like any of the apes.
11: What I mean when I say the primate problem, and it was in my book, you have seemingly sincere people on every inhabited continent except Europe uh, describing large ape-like creatures that are unclassified at this point, ape-like or human-like, I won't, uh, you know, try to judge here. But you have large primates described from every continent. And on the one hand, in every case, you can find very sincere, sober people who are convinced that what they saw was, was not human and not any known animal. At the same time, if you add all these up, uh Coleman and uh Patrick Waggy did that very nicely in their their field guide uh, yeah, they the field. if if you look at everything from every continent, you say you have to say, wait a minute you know i I can accept the possibility that there are unclassified primates in the world. I mean we know there are uh a lot of unclassified animals still in the world, mammals included." It gets hard, though, when you think, okay, how do I sort these? Because if you have similar bodies of evidence for uh, the Almas and the Orang Pendek and the Doody and uh, whatever other apes are on your list, the Yeti, you start thinking, wait a minute, we can't have this many big species on every continent unclassified. Um, yeah if some some of these may be true, but they can't all be true, and then you get the problem of trying to decide what seems to be valid and and what isn't and it's a very difficult sort of problem
4: now in in in
11: has some more work to do to convince people than you know a new monkey from South America would uh, that said, there are cases where, when scientists have been able to observe an animal in the wild, uh film of it has been accepted uh, as the type specimen. I, I forget the type, but there is one monkey uh, that falls under that category. And there are cases where the type specimen is an animal that's been caught, uh, had its blood drawn, and then return to the wild. So it doesn't necessarily mean a whole dead Sasquatch. But you're going to have to have something. Right.
6: Very good. Very good. So
11: what
2: do you think really the orang pendak is going to be the next big cryptid find?
11: Uh going back to the if I had to bet money test I would say yes.
2: What do you what do you think that's going to do to will that have an effect on, on science's view towards Sasquatch?
11: I don't know how big it will be. I think there's a little positive effect every time somebody describes something new. When uh, John McKinnon came out with all those big new mammals from Southeast Asia in the 1990s, you know, to me that really vindicated the central tenet of cryptozoology, which is that... Not only do we not know all the animals, we don't even know all the big animals. So uh, certainly there's an impact. Uh, Mark Van Roosmalen's paper from, from South America, uh, you know, was a surprise. New species of, of a very sizable. Animal.
2: I mean, I guess my hope is is this, that if, say, within the next five years, the orang pundak is officially penned a, 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 an actual you know, being that, you know, we're going to have uh, at least more than just a handful of scientists, maybe maybe a a couple of dozen go- turn around and say, well, you know, this orang deck thing, you know, maybe we should start looking at this, this thing. I, that's my real hope that happens, and I'm hoping that that when it does happen for the Orang-Tendek, it doesn't go unnoticed by scientists here that have been on the fence about Sasquatch.
11: Well, it's it's interesting. Uh, Let me correct a misstatement I just made, by the way. Uh, Van Roozmalen's new large mammal was a peccary, uh, not a taper. Uh, But remember a few years ago when the new species of human uh, came out of Flores Island in Indonesia, the so-called hobbits, Uh, Dr. Henry Gee, who was editor of Nature at the time, said this should make us a little more open to cryptozoology
0: here, here has a, a whole bunch of characteristics that you can use in combination uh, there's first of all um, the giveaway characteristic of mammalian hairs that you have two types and this is the normal mammals of the forest you have guard hairs and undercoat primates don't have that So if I get a sample and it has obvious guard hairs and an undercoat, that automatically rules out primate. Primate hair is the same from one end to the other. Uh, Wild animal hairs, uh, the guard hairs tend to be pointed. Sometimes they have broad and narrow spots along the length and not uncommonly. In many animals, they're banded to boot, that is, color bands primates don't have that, at least higher primates. Uh, we, we don't have to worry about, you know, uh, lemurs sitting around in our woods. So what we're always concerned about is basically uh, man and Sasquatch as primate hairs that you might find in the woods. Um, I have uh, two pets of hares that were collected under Uh, irreproachable circumstances that sort of form my, my, um, gold standard for Sasquatch here. They were, they were both collected by three collectors simultaneously from two twist-offs, um, from two different animals. Both of them were seen in the vicinity of the twist-offs that if uh, these were being tracked. And one of the hair samples was long and black, and the other hair sample was that that is on the average. And the other hair sample type was relatively short and much more reddish brown. And these two Sasquatches corresponding to that color were subsequently seen within the next half hour or so. So I'm quite sure, and aside from that, I should say that the two hair samples, other than for the length and color, at the identical microscopic structure. And what you look for in the microscopic structure is the pigment distribution, the presence and type of medulla above all, which is very characteristic for many animals. And then as a a last possible choice is the cuticle around the outside. But aside from that, there is... The mm-hmm. fine detail of the pigment, whether it is streaked or punctate, whether the pigment occurs in big blobs and batches along the inside the cortex of the hair, what color it has, and then lastly, all the Sasquatch hair that I've found to date, which is, I think by now, 21 samples from... Uh, four states, uh, they all have a, a faint reddish underpinning to the color, all of them, whether they're very light or very dark, they always have that reddish undertone to them. So, um, And the Sasquatch hair uh, <clears throat> conveniently has seemingly no medulla. The medulla in human hair is either quite conspicuous, uh, uh, the central channel full of degenerated cells that looks dark under the microscope. And in human hair and higher primate hair in general, this medulla is tends to be fragmentary. That is, it's interrupted, and you sometimes have just pieces going along, and sometimes it's a continuous channel that has just breaks in it. In the Sasquatch, you seemingly have no medulla to speak of, and so that's at least the first, first uh, diagnostic hint that you're do, dealing with Sasquatch hair when you're looking at a sample. And that's, that's what you'd have to look for, but on the whole, for hair identification, all I can emphasize is that it takes experience and a comparative hair collection that you have to Accumulate yourself. So I've gone to, you know, uh, uh, vertebrate museums and collected little batches of hair of all the different skins that they keep in drawers and mounted them for microscopic examination. So I have a standard of comparison always on hand. And that's fairly important because you can take a given person and take hair from the head and beard and axilla and forearm and cubic hair, and it all looks a little bit different. They're not they're not all the same across the body. So one has to be sort of uh, keep an open mind what you're
8: looking at.
2: And there we have uh, that clip in particular. Uh, you know, uh, never mind. I was just getting juvenile for a second, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that was pretty, that was way back when that was like show number 12 or show number 14. We had Hannah on, and uh, my God, had uh, he said that now, uh, the whole, you know, whether or not it's from the beard or the chest or the pubic area, I mean, that just big for a joke, but I was a good boy back then, so. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, uh, I, I know people have been clamoring for this last. Uh, this last piece. And, um, you know, this, I, I have saved the best for last. And of course, it's a lot of the laughs we've had over the last four years on Squad Detective Radio when we have them, don't we?
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: uh, and, you know, what I've tried to do is i tried to grab the most memorable ones, the ones that, that stuck out in my mind the most. And believe it or not, I, I did that clip first, and now I'm kind of sad because when when I was going through all these other shows, I, would, I, I was I would get dribs and drabs of darn I don't remember saying that, <laughs> but or I don't remember this person saying that, and uh, it, it was just wonderful. But uh, anyway, this has been uh, quite a trip through uh, memory lane. But um, you know, like I said, everybody's asking for uh, you know what about. Billy, what about you know um, you know uh, how about some Willard clips? How about a uh, Henry May clip? How about you know? Well, Henry's already had his say, but he hasn't had his due, and that we're gonna we're gonna get due. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, fortunately, uh, Chris was able to hear this a little bit earlier today. So, w- without further ado, let's get on to the. Final clip of the night And please enjoy Doing a talk radio show You never know when and where The laughs are going to come from Join us as we listen to the last four years Of some of the best laughs Here on Squatch Detective Radio
1: For listeners of this radio show You
2: get to learn a lot About the Squatch Detective For example The Squatch Detective Is divorced and, and coincidentally, scientists in May discovered a food that diminishes a woman's sex drive. Yes, it's called wedding cake.
1: Me out. Of course, one of the people that I loved
2: having on the show that was always great for laughs was the late Eric Dexcher and his laughs were never in short supply.
3: A lot of people calling my hotline and I would visit them and, and fill out report forms and so forth, and I met a couple of people that had talked to me about Bigfoot wearing very dirty, filthy leather trousers and some kind of a vest.
1: I get knocked down, but I get
2: strange events involving Eric Bechard also were great targets for Squatch Detective Humor. What the hell happened this year between Carole hockey and Eric Bechard? You know, Vince McMahon and the WWE could have cashed in on that one. It could be the first ever Bear Mace match.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I get knocked I love it. of something that just screams to be
2: picked on, well, we pick on it. (laughs) They do cause a lot of ruckus just because they they love globsplotches and whatnot, but we do have a quick clip from their show, so I'm going to play that right now. So hang on, here it is. Oh oops, I'm sorry, I, I don't have the cliff. I apologize. Oh no. I was gonna you know, I was gonna play that when I introduced Chris tonight, but oh, I said no. die again. <laughs>
1: Uh
4: I believe that's called foreshadowing, Steve. Uh, <laughs> a glimpse of things to come. Sure. You hear
1: that
2: sound
4: in the woods? Run.
2: <laughs> <laughs> foreshadowing. Uh and in Hollywood they call that i'm Happen to mention that Eric Bechard was good for a lot of humor miles?
3: A few reports here and there of Bigfoot being in trousers or having a cape uh, or leading another one that was in a cape by a rope or something.
1: I get no doubt, but I get up again,
2: i now. Did we also mention that the squatch detective is divorced? And repeat it after me, folks, especially you, Henry. While the poor want to be rich, the rich want to be married, and the married want to be dead. Remember that.
1: I get no doubt, but I get over it. In the end, it's only me down. I get no doubt, but I get over there, In the end, me down. I mean, this guy earned frequent
2: flyer miles.
3: There are some reports of motorists um, seeing somebody by the road, and it turns out to be Bigfoot wearing human blue jeans that are all ripped up. And looking, um, and a shirt, and looking, like, really desperate, like,
1: I get no doubt, but I get over I do me down. I get no doubt, but I, don't again, I don't need me down.
2: And sometimes I don't even know where I get this stuff. And you know what? And I thought the guy who invented the to belt buckle would make more money. You know, I, I, I I just don't
1: get it. Oh my God! a mistletoe belt buckle <laughs> for him or for her. I get no doubt, but I get over it. You'll never gonna keep me down. I get no doubt, but I get over You'll never gonna keep me down. Not only funny, but
3: brilliant too. We might even have a parallel universe where where Tom Biscardi is
1: honest. I get no doubt, but I get over
2: Occasionally, there's that one caller that tries to one-up us. Tell me, how'd that work out? Hey, yeah, code you're on the air on Squash Detective Radio. Good evening to you. Good evening. One time, my <laughs> looked like a UFO, and I wasn't sure if I should uh, notify you. I'm surprised that you perhaps needed a microscope to see it.
1: I get no doubt, but I get, over again. get I get no doubt, but I get, again. get an me down. And, of course... I think my
2: all-time favorite guest has got to be Henry May. Not only is the guy knowledgeable and knows everything there is to know about everything, but he's also just so fun to pick on at times. It was particularly a good year for my good friend and fellow blog top show host Henry May. Earlier this year, he was soup soup into his lap on the Sasquatch Experience, and to have. Feline Problems is a guest on Squatch Detective Radio. I say this is good because every guy I know wants a hot crotch and some wild
11: pussy at times.
1: <laughs> oh, my
11: God. much like it? I don't like it. I get no doubt. But I
1: get no You never know to keep me out. I get no doubt. I get no again. You never know to keep me out. And, of course,
2: there was that one time, probably the funniest incident ever on Squatch Detective Radio, When we asked a prank caller to prank us. And boy, did they. And it was a great one. Caller, you're on the air. Splash sector radio. How are you tonight? I'm
9: good. This is Minnie. How you doing?
2: We're just doing wonderful.
9: I saw that you guys were talking about genuses and thinking I'd give you a drop call. (laughs)
12: Uh,
1: Sean
9: Sean
4: Forker always says that kind of language brings the people in.
2: (laughs) That sure does. Uh, well, thanks to everybody for the four years of last. To all our listeners, without you guys, it would never be possible. Well, thanks for everything, and we look forward to the next four years of last. right here on Squatch Detective Radio. Catch you all later. And, folks, what can I say? Uh, that's the show for tonight. Thanks all for listening, and thanks for the last four years, and uh, we're going to have many more years to come. Let's say you, Chris.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's been great, and uh, my face is hurting. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh. All right, my brother. That's the show for tonight, folks. And, uh, hey, we'll uh, we'll catch you all next week. We're working on our guest. Stay tuned to com for the update. Um, folks, we'll see you tonight. Uh, on uh, Paranormal Guys' uh, show on Blog Talk. Uh, The link is in the chat room. I'll stick it there one more time before I get out of here. Folks, have a good night. God bless. And we'll catch you all next week, 8 p.m. Eastern, on Squatch Detective Radio.
12: Some kind of way out of here Said a joker to the thief There's too much confusion I can't get no relief